we bid you welcome you who come with weary spirits seeking rest who come with troubles that are too much with you who come hurt and afraid we bid you welcome you who come with hope in your heart who come with anticipation in your step who come proud and joyous we bid you welcome you who are seekers of a new faith who come to probe and explore who come to learn we bid you welcome you who enter this space as a homecoming who found here room for your spirit who find in this people a family whoever you are however you are wherever you are on your journey we bid you welcome These opening words by Richard S. Gilbert welcome all those who've gathered on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regulars in the Essex Church congregation, to friends, old and new. Special shout out to our chums in Brighton and Lewisham who are joining us this morning. And welcome too to those who might be listening to the podcast or watching this on YouTube at a later date. For those who don't know me, my name is Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians hope you all find something of what you need in our gathering this morning please do hang around afterwards for a chat if you'd like to if you're a newcomer and feeling shy you can always drop us an email to say hello and introduce yourself or you might try coming to one of our small group gatherings that happen during the week to get to know us better and if you're a regular here thanks for all you do to help sustain this community to help contribute to the welcome that we offer because even on zoom we've all got a part to play in co-creating this sacred space and this sense of community. Feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It is lovely to see your faces and get a sense of our togetherness as a congregation, or as three congregations, but we know for some it will feel more comfortable to keep your camera off, and that is definitely fine. There'll be opportunities to join in, but they're invitations, not obligations. It is fine to lurk with our blessing. The theme of this morning's service is the joy of repetition. Repetition's got a bit of a mixed reputation. It's often associated with dullness, with boredom, with a lack of imagination or invention. But this morning, I hope we will rehabilitate repetition as we reflect on the spiritual merits of doing things over and over again. Before we go any further, though, I'm going to light our chalice as we do whenever we gather. No better example of the value of repetition for Unitarians and our collective spiritual life. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the proudly progressive historic religious tradition of which our gatherings are part. We like this chalice as a reminder of the tradition that holds us and the values and aspirations we share as a community. Our commitment to the common good, our search for truth and meaning, our care for those who are downtrodden, and our yearning for a better world that's yet to be, where all may know true freedom, justice, equality and peace. May this small flame be to us a sign of faith, hope and love. Let's take all those joys and concerns, spoken and unspoken, and hold them in loving kindness as we move into an extended time of prayer now. You might want to adjust your position, 
for comfort, you might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze, maybe focus on the candle. Whatever posture helps you feel more prayerful, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together. Let's be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that with which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune into your presence, the light within and without. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. This morning we give thanks for the gift of renewal. We give thanks for the ability to begin again, to start over and over. After each time of trial or loss, each season of struggle and sorrow, in the midst of ongoing upheaval and uncertainty. Grant us the courage to continue on the journey the courage to act and speak for the well-being of others and ourselves and this planet we share. May we forgive ourselves and each other when our courage and care falls short. And may we resolve to try again. Grant us hearts to love boldly, to embody our faith and our values in living words and deeds. May our hearts open to embrace humility, grace, and reconciliation. Grant us the ability to learn and grow, to let the spirit of love and truth work its transformation upon us and within us. Grant us the spirit of radical hospitality, the willingness to sustain a dwelling place for the holy that resides in all being. Grant us a sense of being at peace in the world, even as we are in perpetual motion, tossed and turned by life's tempests. And let us cultivate together the strength to welcome every kind of gift life brings our way and all manner of ways to be on the journey together. In a few quiet moments now, let us each look back over the week just gone, bringing to mind all the cares and concerns of our own lives and those people and causes we care about in the wider world. Let's take a little while to sit quietly in prayer with that which weighs on our hearts this day. Let's take a few moments to notice all the good that's happened in this past week. Bring to mind some of the blessings, large or small, 
that have graced our days. Let's take a few more moments to sit quietly in prayer with these good memories and give thanks. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing together now. In the spirit of today's service theme, we're going to sing a chant rather than a regular hymn. This is a recording of the Meditation on Breathing uh, made by the UU Congregation of Phoenix and their choir, choir director kindly gave me permission to share it in our service today. I am a firm believer in doing a lot of repetitions when chanting. If you're going to chant, then chant. Um, it allows the message to really soak into us. So I'm going to play the video twice through. This should give you plenty of time to pick up the tune if it's not one you already know. It's one I find very comforting, so I encourage you to join in and take it to heart. The words are very simple. Uh, the bass part simply goes, breathe in, breathe out. And the higher lines are, when I breathe in, I breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe out love. The words will be on your screen so you can sing along. But if you'd rather just listen, that is fine too. Thank you. 
10-Minute Rule by Marilise Brinkman. Marilise Brinkman, one-time choir director at Boulder Valley Unitary Universalist Fellowship in Lafayette, Colorado, distributes the following text as a handout to people when they first try chanting. It explains the brain's typical reaction to the repetitiveness of chant. She says, when chanting, it is important not to stop too soon. The benefits of chanting are surprisingly satisfying if you give yourself time to fully experience the deepening aspects of the chant. Often a person will go through a rainbow of emotions when first learning to chant. It is completely normal to feel a bit anxious at first, then perhaps bored, even annoyed during part of the chanting. Thoughts such as, why are we doing this for so long? When are we going to be done? What's the matter with everyone? This is boring. Come to mind and distract us for a moment or two as we experience negative feelings. Actually, this is a normal part of chanting, part of the growing into chanting. And if you just keep going, with a sense of trust in the work, you come out of that space and into a sense of lightness and connection. Some call it a place of wonder or of deep peace. Here's an example of the phases that your mind might go through. First time, the chant is new, you are concentrating on singing it right. Second time, you do it a bit more correctly and make only a few mistakes. Third time, you sing it right all the way through, you feel a sense of accomplishment. Fourth time, you can sing it right through without much effort, you begin to think, now what? Fifth time, you feel a bit of annoyance, hey, I've got this down, we can stop now. Sixth time, you are bored, tired of it, your mind is objecting to this waste of time, this is stupid. Sometimes you get stuck in the sixth time, but if you stay with it, your mind will go to the seventh time after a few more reps. Seventh time, you give up, you mentally throw your hands up and think, oh, well, we're probably going to go on forever, so I guess I'll just relax. Eighth time, you feel that relaxation and sort of enjoy it. Ninth time. As you continue to enjoy the relaxation, you begin to feel something deeper now. Your mind is quiet, taking a mini 
vacation. While you were doing this boring to its way of thinking activity. And 10th time, you continue to relax, feel the ebb and the flow of the chant. Without noticing it, you are opening to a larger part of yourself. And chanting is the doorway. A whole new way of experiencing is just beyond the threshold of this door. You feel more relaxed and more at peace. And you feel healing energy flowing within you as you sing this simple chant. You walk through the doorway and begin. The trick to chanting is knowing that the tenth time is the beginning of the work, not the end. Thanks, Maria. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. To take us into the stillness, I'm going to offer a few words by the contemporary Taoist teacher, Deng Ming Dao. These words will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness, during which we'll have our virtual chalice up on the screen. And silence will end with some music by Abby Larimia and Jess Scott. All three of their musical offerings today are movements of the jet whistle by Brazilian composer Heitor Villa-Lobos. Um, new to me, really interesting discovery. So let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable for meditation, have wiggle again, maybe get your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. And as I always say, these words, the images, the music, they are just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. Deng Ming Dao writes, people seldom understand the power of repetition. What is repeated over and over again can become enduring. What is done in a moment is seldom lasting. If farmers do not tend to their field every day, they cannot expect a harvest. The same is true of spiritual practice. It's not the grand declaration or colourful initiation that means anything much. It's the ongoing daily living of a spiritual life that has meaning. Our progress may range from dull to spectacular, but we must accept both. Each and every day should be linked together, strung into a long line of prayer beads. In life, you don't know how many beads you've counted already, and you don't know how many more are yet to come. All that matters is holding the one that comes to you now and taking the spiritual significance of that moment to heart.
Deluxe Avocado Sandwiches by Geoffrey Lockwood. Deluxe Avocado again? My wife asked incredulously. We don't go out for lunch very often, but my favourite place is Geoffrey's Bistro, and my favourite sandwich is the Deluxe Avocado. I dutifully scanned the menu, considered the options, and settled on my usual. I gave a wan smile and Nan suggested, you're in a rut. How come, I replied, being married for 18 years is virtuous, but ordering the same lunch is a character flaw. Being faithful to me is not the same as sticking with avocado sandwiches, she said. I like to think I'm just a constitutionally loyal sort of person, I responded. That was nearly a decade ago, and I'm still ordering the deluxe avocado sandwich, still married, and still wondering whether I'm in a rut. Why are change and variation so celebrated? What's wrong with regularity? There are certainly enough medicines extolling its virtues. What if our bodies, our minds and our hearts functioned willy-nilly? We'd never know what to expect. Patterns give our lives a familiar framework. Through repetition, we cultivate familiar, literally a household. Through constancy of people and places, we shape a sanctuary in a chaotic world. And then and in the morning, I have coffee with my co-workers and at five in the afternoon, I go to the gym and sweat with a steadfast group of middle-aged guys. I like the sense of dependability, safety and assurance that comes with these rituals. We can become slaves to customs and fears of bondage seems to drive the modern disdain for traditions. We see earlier people as mindless adherents to cultural norms. When our patterns of life become thoughtless and we are disconnected from the meaning of our actions, we are enslaved. But from what do we seek to be liberated? If we have no traditions, we are free to dismiss the holidays as being insignificant and, and go about our work. If there are no rituals, we are released from the deep meaning in our actions. If there are no customs, we are free to welcome people into a community devoid of a meaningful story. But there, but there is a middle way. By choosing a pattern in our lives, by understanding how it binds us to our community and our past, and by allowing it to soothe our minds, bodies and souls, we transform a mere habit into a sacred rite. We cultivate a sense of continuity and connectedness. We shape our home in the world. So, what about my deluxe avocado, avocado sandwich? Over the years, Nan and I have developed a stylized and predictable dialogue about my lunch selection 
It's a sort of ritual. I know that after perusing the menu, Nan will give me an expectant look. I'll shrug and say, the deluxe avocado. She'll give me a half smile and shake her head in mock disgust at my lack of originality. Then I'll say, loyalty's a good thing. And we both know that I don't mean the sandwich. Thanks, John. In our modern day culture, repetition has indeed got a pretty mixed reputation. Consumerism helps to push the try everything once message and say that variety is the spice of life. There's a certain pressure on us all to be on the lookout for what's new, to valorise novelty, change and innovation, even to be ever on the move in our personal lives and never stay in the same place for too long. In the next 14 minutes or so, I'm going to try and redress the balance a little bit. I'm going to echo the question we heard from Jeffrey Lockwood, he of the Deluxe Avocado Sandwich, and ask what's wrong with regularity? Or to put it more positively, I'm going to offer a few thoughts on the valuable role that repetition has to play in our lives, in the arts and the creative life, in worship and spiritual practice, and as we all go about our everyday business. Here's an interesting phenomenon for you to consider. A number of prominent people who are known for being particularly creative have chosen to order some aspects of their personal lives in such a way that they are extremely repetitive in ways that others might regard as very dull. You might be familiar with the popular science writer and neurologist Oliver Sacks, an excellent human being who wrote The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and many other fascinating popular science books. Oliver Sacks always ate exactly the same things every single day. Every Monday, his housekeeper would get in enough supplies to see him through the week. Half a gallon of soya milk, half a gallon of prune juice, a gallon of orange jelly, seven tins of sardines, a big bowl of tabbouleh, seven apples and seven oranges. Additionally, to treat himself each day, he had a ritual of going to a fancy chocolate shop up the road and buying himself exactly one dollar's worth of broken chocolate. He said he never got bored and he enjoyed it with equal relish each time. And Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple Computers, was known to have a wardrobe full of identical clothes. He used to put exactly the same thing on every morning. He once found a particular black turtleneck that he liked the style of and promptly bought a hundred of them as his own personal uniform. He said, that's what I wear. I have enough to last for the rest of my life. And so it was. This is a clothing philosophy that I also subscribe to. In both of these cases, what I think is going on is that these creative people have decided there's just too much they want to think about in life, too many choices to be made, and they want to save their energies and their choosing power for the things that really matter to them, such as their creative projects. For them, deciding what to wear in the morning or what to have for dinner is something they'd rather not have to think too hard about. Frederick Brussat, co-founder of the Spirituality and Practice website, very excellent, I recommend it to you, He's written about this too, because he's of much the same temperament. He's another one who would be happy to have the same thing for tea every day of his life. And he says, the rest of my day is spent in inquiry and exploration, new information and new experiences. And by dinner time, I've had enough of the new and the varied, and I just want something familiar and predictable with no surprises. So this is one of the values, the virtues of repetition. It can simplify our lives somewhat. 
Repetition is also something I associate with comfort and a sense of security. Think of the way that little children often love to hear the same bedtime story again and again. Having set routines and patterns can give our lives a familiar framework, dependability, safety, assurance, which might provide a strong foundation, a necessary base of stability for those occasions when we do want to venture out and try something new. As Geoffrey Lockwood said, through constantly sea of people and places, we shape a sanctuary in a chaotic world. A sanctuary. If we've invested the time and energy and patience, committed our hearts and formed our habits in this way, we build a sanctuary to go out from and come back to when we do feel like being a little bit more adventurous. Repetition is also at the heart of many spiritual practices and religious rituals. I expect many of us are familiar with meditations which focus on breathing or those practices where you follow every breath you take in or out over and over. Or the walking meditations where you pay attention to each step and then the next and then the next. The repetition of some simple pattern or ritual can provide a focus which may help us escape the relentless chatter that so often fills our minds. It may provide temporary respite from the wordy, critical headspace, which I suspect is familiar to many of us present here this morning. In the reading by Marlies Brinkman, the one that Maria gave for us earlier on, she offered a typical internal monologue which might be going through the head of someone who tries to chant for the first time. Those stages of anxiety, then boredom, then resignation might well be stages that you recognise too. Not just in terms of chanting, but any repetitive practice or ritual. First, anxiety, maybe a bit of embarrassment. Why am I doing it right? Then perhaps boredom and resistance. Yeah, OK, I've had enough now, thanks. Maybe you'll move on to resignation. Well, I suppose I'm going to have to see this through. But if you do hang on in there, you have got a chance of breaking through into something else. It's the point at which your internal resistance cracks and you give yourself over to just doing the reps, whatever the practice is. When you come out the other side into deeper, richer territory. And as Marlies Brinkman says, the 10th time is the beginning of the work, not the end. Personally, I find that particularly in times of crisis, times of high anxiety, I want to return to familiar rituals which will bring me some measure of comfort and steadiness. At times when I've been ill or in pain, physical or emotional, or say sitting by a hospital bed or waiting for a dreaded or a longed for phone call. In those moments, I tend to repeat one of a handful of short but powerful prayers that I've learned by heart. And if you haven't got such a prayer in your repertoire, I highly recommend that you seek out one that calls to you so it's there for you to draw on when you need it most. And it's not just for moments of crisis. You might find it helpful to have a very short sacred phrase or mantra, something you can repeat day in, day out as you go about your business to help keep yourself aligned with your best intentions to live well every day. The Jewish storyteller Yitzhak Busbaum says, the repetition of a holy sentence, phrase or name can be used during work, when walking, even when you're otherwise occupied. It's relatively easy to do and is therefore of particular value at times when you're somewhat fatigued or when other more demanding religious practices are impossible. And in many other religious traditions, repetition is a much more explicit part of worship compared to what we do here and in most other Unitarian congregations that I'm familiar with. I'm thinking of the liturgy in Catholic and High Anglican churches in particular, the rhythm of the mass, indeed the year-round rhythms of the liturgical calendar. 
or the daily routine and practice of praying the hours in monastic communities where everything stops at set times throughout the day, every day, for the community to come together and say set prayers. And it's not just about the repetition that we do ourselves, it's also repetition down the ages that's important. There is con continuity that exists within a religious community and the knowledge that many, many generations before you have participated in the same practices and rituals, that adds to their power. Sometimes I wonder if we're missing out somehow on the depth that such repetition can offer. But then I realise that our freedom of worship as Unitarians includes the freedom to positively choose repetition. Really, we can do what we like in these Sunday services. We could mix it up and do everything completely differently each time if the mood took us. And yet our services are more or less the same shape week in, week out. And that's an intentional decision. Repetition provides a familiar structure and rhythm which holds us. And the same goes for heart and soul, our regular contemplative spiritual gathering. The shape of the sessions is highly structured with the same elements in the same order every single time. It turns out that even us Unitarians quite like a bit of repetition and regular ritual. But importantly, within the holding framework of a Sunday service or a heart and soul, there is great freedom in terms of the theme, the words, the music, in terms of the energy and the contribution that the gathers individuals bring to the shared space. There's another observation I want to offer in relation to my experience of Sunday worship. I don't know about the rest of you, but I find I don't necessarily hear something the first time I hear it, if you know what I mean. I'm not sure how much of any new idea I really absorb at the first encounter. Maybe one or two fragments from a Sunday service will stay with me. And I should say, I think that's OK. I feel I've been lucky if I get that much. When I first started coming to Essex Church 23 years ago, everything was so new to me that it was all a bit overwhelming. Every story, every reading, every idea was new. And so many factors need to align for a new idea to go from being just part of the endless stream of information that I encounter each day to being something that I'll pay attention to, to being something I'll reflect on later, which will stay with me long term. And in the best case scenario that will change me in some way, become integrated into myself, who I am and how I live. That's what I hope for from a Sunday service. One thing I did when I first came to church was to encourage the, the then minister, Art Lester, to put his uh, sermon texts up online so that I could reread them over and over allowing time for the ideas to work on me. And I do the same these days with books and podcasts as well. Once is rarely enough. Again, again. That's why I'm so pleased that nowadays we put all our services up online in perpetuity, not just the text, but the video and the audio, for people to stumble across and perhaps return to. And if we go back to the same material at a later date, we might be surprised to find something new in it, something new in what we thought was familiar, something that speaks to our condition in a fresh way, and resonates with us in the state we find ourselves in, on that day, in that moment, as we revisit it. Think of the old saying from Heraclitus, you cannot step into the same river twice. No experience is ever the same, really, when you try to repeat it. There's always something new to be gleaned, as you have changed, the situation has changed, the world has changed. Repetition is a key part of learning pretty much anything. People can be dismissive about rote learning, rightly so, but this method of fixing the basics in our memory through drills and repetitions, whether that's memorising your times tables, going over musical scales, practising your golf swing, that is the foundation for greater things and hopefully the, most, the first step towards mastery of an art. I believe that learning things by heart is again a stepping stone to something deeper. 
once some new knowledge or skill has really become part of you in this way, you're in a better position to call on it in a heartbeat when you really need to use it. Prior to the pandemic, I used to be an enthusiastic ballroom dancer. Um, and in the early days of learning to dance, I remember having to think quite hard about where my feet were going, what way we were meant to be turning, what I was supposed to be doing with my face. I never got all that proficient at it, but I remember the joy of getting just good enough. I didn't really have to think about the technicalities of where my feet were going anymore, and I could just enjoy the flow of the dance. Carlfried Graf Durkheim said, the more we've mastered some relevant technique, the smaller amount of attention needed to perform the task satisfactorily, the more easily may the emphasis be transferred from the exterior to the interior. For all this praise of repetition and routine, we still need to remain open to the new, to expanding our boundaries, broadening our horizons, to learning and growing, increasing the scope and the breadth of our lives. But I reckon that repetition and routine can help to provide a valuable foundation and the stability out of which to be brave and adventurous, to reach out into the unknown. Repetition can enable us to grow in depth and engage more meaningfully with ideas and practices that we might only superficially grasp on our first encounter. So in the days to come, I encourage you to notice opportunities to relish repetition. And I'll close with a quote from Joan Chittister. Repetition frees the mind for greater thoughts. It sensitizes the soul to the sacred poetry of the present moment. For when the day is really routine, we get to think a while about what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we're doing it. Repetition is a well from which we draw our reasons to go on. May it be so, for the greater good of all. Amen. And let's sing together one last time. And uplifting him with a repeating refrain, we've got fewer repetitive hymns than you would think, I found out while I was trying to choose the hymns for today. Let's sing Walk in the Light. Once again, the words will be on your screen, so I encourage you to sing along.
Just a few short announcements now. Thanks to John and Maria for the readings today. Uh, also to John for co-hosting, to Abby and Jess for great music. There's a, a longer than usual final, final piece after the closing uh, words. So settle in for about four and a half minutes after the benediction. We'll have virtual coffee time after the service, so you can stay and chat if you'd like to. And if that's not your thing, so feel free to get in touch via email if you want to say hello. We'd like to take a group photo after the closing music, so hang around for that if you can. We've got various small group activities on during the week for you to meet up. Coffee Morning is online at 10.30 this Wednesday. Note the switch to Wednesday starts this week. This is to allow me to have an official weekend off on Mondays and Tuesdays. Thank you. There are still spaces left for our heart and soul contemplative spiritual gatherings online at seven o'clock tonight and on Friday. Um, this is a space for prayer and deep sharing. Uh, newcomers are always welcome from wherever. Email me to sign up. This week's theme is paying attention. Uh, if you're in London, you want to go to an in-person event, as Veronica said, she's got an afternoon of storytelling on the Dragon Boat Festival over at Essex Church from 2.30 today. And a date for your diary. The uh, poetry group is back as an in-person event monthly led by Brian, Marianne and David. And the next session will be on Wednesday, the 6th of July at seven o'clock. Do get in touch with them if you want to know more and please sign up to let them know you're coming. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other and do what you can to nurture supportive connection. Next Sunday, we'll be having a hybrid service on the theme of wild things. Um, I'm hoping for a couple of congregational contributions to that service about our relationship to wild creatures and the natural world. So get in touch if you think you might be able to contribute either in person or online next Sunday. And I'll talk you through what I'm looking for. As previously mentioned, this summer, we will be alternating between hybrid service, which you can join either in person or online and Zoom only. So if you're wanting to attend in person, get the dates in your diary, 12th of June, 26th of June, 10th of July, 24th of July, and so on, alternate weeks. Of course, you can still attend all our services on Zoom as usual or catch up via YouTube or the podcast feed. Have a look at our website for all the links. I think that's everything. Um, we've just got our closing words and closing music now. So I invite you to select gallery view at this point, if you can, so we can all see each other and get a sense of our gathered community as we draw to a close. The hours of religion, which like sunshine, it goes everywhere. It's temple or space. It's shrine, the good heart. It's creed, all truth. It's ritual, works of love. It's profession of faith, divine living. Amen.
Thank you.